And what has worked yesterday is definitely not working today and will not work for tomorrow. Be it technology, be it process, name it, everything is changing. And so having that mindset to constantly unlearn and be okay with it. And then again, step into that unknown, the new thing and learn again. I think that's even more important now. Welcome to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast where IT and digital leaders from around the world talk about their careers, their inspiration, and their vision for the future of digital business. I'm your host, David Wright. The world of digital business is evolving faster than ever, and I want this to be a place where digital business champions create a village to band together and help each other navigate the ever-changing terrain. Disruptive Innovators features conversations with CIOs and digital leaders from around the world, diving into their personal backstory, career, their current role, trends they've been seeing, and their vision for the future, personally, professionally, and otherwise. This podcast is made for people who are seeing how quickly the digital business landscape is evolving. Those who recognize that it takes a village of trusted advisors to navigate this ever-changing terrain. People who enjoy listening to high-level discussions surrounding what it means to be a leader, real-world examples of challenges faced, and industry-specific strategies leveraged to create exceptional business outcomes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net. Good afternoon, friends. David Wright here, and I am your host of the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. And today, I am lucky enough to be joined by Runa Sori. Pleasure to have you on. Thank you for being here. Pleasure, David. Thank you for having me on the show. So, Runa, for those of our listeners who may not know, can you just tell everyone a little bit about your current role? I currently serve as Chief Technology Officer at First Command Financial Services. We provide financial coaching to our nation's military families and help them in achieving their financial goals. So this is where I am and my focus is on improving our digital capabilities and likes to our changing customer needs, focusing more towards the banking side. Of that. Love the population that you're serving as well. So very cool. I'm going to look forward to diving a little bit deeper into some of the work that you're doing. We'd like to start the episode, though, with just one piece of actionable advice you might look to leave everyone with today. This was a constant an advice that I got, but an advice that I keep giving to younger folks all the time is get out of your comfort zone. I think it's so much more important to have that attitude to get out of what we already know and leap into the unknown. And that's just breaking your comfort zone. Well, that would be one thing. But beyond that, one other thing that I learned over the years about myself or from observing others is about understand who you are. That's so much more important. What your strengths, what your weaknesses are. I think that is even more important. Yeah, two diamonds there. I'll say that when I really started getting momentum as an entrepreneur, it was always when I was flying a little bit over my skis and it was scary, but just sitting in that discomfort coming out on the other side was always like, holy cow. And sometimes I would crash into a wall. The lessons that I would learn coming out of it were invaluable. And what you mentioned about 
knowing yourself or what I heard was like finding out really who you are. So crucial. I wish I would have done it younger in, in life, but as I did, it really allowed me to be present with people and comfortable in my own skin. And so I think that's great advice. Really great advice. Let's talk a little bit about you. Where did you start out and how did you get to this point that you're at in your career today? My journey, David, it's been anything but planned, right? So the beginning, if I have to go back to like my high school days, everything that I planned, it would be the other side of it always. And I think I embraced it and I think it's one golden nugget in my life about having the other side of planning. It's full of trial and errors. I graduated during a recession of 2000 and found myself in between the industry where the jobless industry is what I call. So leaped into information technology because that was happening and there were opportunities in that area. I think that's one beautiful accident in my career path, in my professional journey. No regrets there at all. So I started as a programmer over some very many years. And then eventually I decided to leap into the consulting, but that was a planned effort. I consciously made that decision to get into consulting because either I was too rusty in what I was doing or not understanding why I was doing what I was doing kind of the thing. Rightfully so, consulting it really introduced me to the various de dimensions the industry has from technology, from business perspective, from people perspective, from process, whatever you name it. I think it was the introduction for me about the industry. More importantly, that was an area within my spectrum. I learned the right way to be a professional. So various dimensions were there within that space and which I kind of grabbed them. So that I mean, I always say the folks that I know who are consultant and now, you know, CIO, CTO, CDO, that dual threat, because as a consultant, you end up working with not just the four or five businesses that if you're a classic kind of IT individual that you've worked with over the years, you end up working with hundreds of different companies and just a lot of different experiences. Now, sitting on the other side of the table is a completely other experience in and of itself. But to have both those experiences, I could see how it could make you like a much better dynamic leader. Definitely. Um, because you're constantly hopping into different industry segments where if you are in one regulatory environment, then suddenly after six, seven months, you find yourself dealing with something else altogether, which is completely diametrically opposite. And I think that flavor, that dimension is what I needed at that point in time to understand the complexities of being a professional. So, hundred percent. And I find that our experience, for example, five to seven years ago in leading digital transformation efforts for retail organizations or kind of other organizations that were kind of, I don't even say ahead of the curve, but have gone through that already. And now bringing that to a lot of younger financial institutions or health systems or things of that nature, it's super valuable. It's different. And like you said, the regulatory complexities or clinical and operational complexities or whatever it might be are make it different. And at the same time, being able to leverage that experience is relative and valuable. Ruta, what would you say is one of the most important things that you've learned over the course of your personal and professional career? And what was life like 
before learning it and after learning it? Don't try to do it all. It's mm-hmm. not one thing because I think when we start our careers, we tend to kind of master. We have the urge to do it all and show that what we can bring to the table. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. It's a young brain working on your strength, I guess. I think that's one thing I learned. Don't try to do it all. Like I said earlier, right? It is about understanding who you are as a person because we all have different unique strengths, unique skills. It's so much more important stepping into the career is about what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And once we have the clarity, it's about partnering with your counterparts who can complement on your weak sides, but strengthen on your other areas. So that is one thing definitely on learning. And the second thing is it's important to constantly unlearn what you have learned. And this is a new thing that I'm actually coaching myself. Because if you look into the industry landscape, every day is changing. The industry is changing at a rapid pace. And what has worked yesterday is definitely not working today and will not work for tomorrow. Be it technology, be it process, name it, everything is changing. And so having that mindset to constantly unlearn and be okay with it. And then again, step into that unknown, the new thing and learn again. I think that's even more important now. Oh, yeah, I love that. It's funny couple hours ago, I was on the phone with a CTO and we were talking about this cloud migration project of a a certain type of customer experience platform. And the fact that his team, their strategy, they like this newer platform. They're basically, the plan is just to take all their existing workflows out of the old platform and plop them into the new platform. And he's like, whoa, 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 wait, we have to throw all up these up against the wall and see, is there a better way to do this? Now is the time before you roll out a new platform to stop and say, is this really serving our customers, our colleagues, the actual consumer? Because like you're saying, things are changing so dynamically that if I'm not doing that, I'm doing my customers a disservice. What about one of the biggest challenges you had over the course of your career or a time that you failed, something, an instance like that, but that you took away a very profound lesson from that moment. But David, I need a separate session for my failure and learnings on that for sure. But I credit those challenges and failures or however we define it to who I am today. I think there were great lessons. No textbook or no university could have taught me those. But in just to summarize a typical challenge that I still see today, it's about from a professional angle, the constant challenge that I see is bringing business and technology together. Today, when I talk to my peers or even industry peers for that matter, half of the problem is solved because everybody understands technology and business. They are at an intersection now. They cannot be separated. They go together. So that challenge, I think, is done done. Uh, at least that understanding is there, which is easy. But I think when we are trying to bring about these big changes, enterprise new changes called digital transformation, AI revolution, enable it, I think it is still prevalent out there. And it's a constant rhythm where bringing that cohesive, collaborative mindset that it's an enterprise level effort and everybody is involved in it, that is still a challenge. Definitely. In my personal space, I mean, within the last, I would say, five years, the other one that I see is competing priorities. While this first path is already conquered, 
we have a second part, which is about prioritization, right? You have constant priorities going on, and then it's a tug of war. But then they're competing for the same set of resources, talent, which is another big industry problem that we all are facing about having the right talent. These are some of the things, I think, which are bubbling to the top. I love the, the first point you brought up about the business and technology. Another example, Wednesday and Thursday, we were in all-day discovery meetings with a fairly large bank. And it was so refreshing. The executive stakeholder ended up bringing in, over the course of two days, the entire retail banking team, e-banking, lending, mortgage, like all the HR operations, all the different external and internal groups that touch consumer experience, collaboration, communications. And some folks were more engaged than others, but they all showed up. And I'll tell you from an organizational, because I was explaining this to my team, it was hundreds of people over those two days. Like, we got to meet with all these people. I was like, guys, listen, just trust me. I think it'll be worthwhile. And at the end of the two days, everybody was like, holy cow, because not only did we get a ton out of it, learning, really understanding what they were going through and how the solutions and ideas that we could bring to the table could benefit them. But past that, from an organizational change management standpoint, now we made that connection. They felt heard. So now as we go through these initiatives, they can really get into it because they see that their vision for things is actually being fulfilled. I actually want to get into, Maruna, your current role and your experience. Before we do, though, I like to ask just about your favorite book or either that you've read currently or all time, your choice. Okay, Oscillate, I'm really not provide, but some of my kids' books. But I managed to get hold of one book, beautiful one, which is Useful Delusions by Nishankar Vedantam. I'm halfway through, I'm not done yet, but I love the concept. The concept is about having delusions are bad, but then delusions are also useful. How you can train your brain towards the positivity and then how to conquer your challenges, whatever challenges, personal, professional, wherever. So it's about having that delusions. I call it daydream, but the concept was very powerful, and I'm loving the book. Yeah, I have to check that out. Every time in my life that I've been delusional, it hasn't been a good thing. So I'll have to reframe that in my mind. I think it's about coaching your own brain, but it's a beautiful one. I will check it out. So, Mareta, you're the chief technology officer at First Command. You've been there for a little bit now. What is your vision for technology based off the overarching mission of the organization? Like I said, we cater to our nation's military families. Our goal is to help them achieve their financial goals. That's the foundation. And I want to see our company as a digital first. We can serve them better. We can serve a changing clientele with the new generations coming in and their demands and the new asks from them. So I want to see the company stand at the forefront of digital transformation and being that digital first company, catering to their needs. Love that. So what are some of the initiatives that maybe roll up to that? What are some of the things that you all are working on that you might be able to share? 
my current focus is primarily towards the banks, digital transformation, so defining that bank of the future. Like the customer of yesterday was very comfortable just walking into the branch, talking to a tender, seeking some advice there, whether it's about investment sometimes or whether it's about just day-to-day activities, whatever it be. They liked it. They loved it. And they were comfortable with that. But today, the customer is changing. The needs are changing at a rapid pace. It's not about change, but how fast they're changing. You know, the influences from social media and all over the place, all the different things that are coming to the place. And I think that is the pivot where the one full control of their finances, their investments, everything and their path. And in order to be able to cater to this changing customer cycle, I think it's so much more important for us to be digital first. So that's one thing. But having said that, based on our company's mission and vision, we are relationship oriented and we're not deviating from that at all. So keeping that relationship oriented service to our clientele, but also giving them this digital alternatives. So this is where our transformation focuses completely. I love to see that when we work with an organization like yours or a like a community bank, how do you maintain that personal relationship and how do you bring that highly personalized, radically convenient experience to the digital experience? Whereas the person who classically really liked that face-to-face interaction, even they're like, oh, wow, this is great. It, it knows who I am. It's thinking about my needs before I even voice them. I have my person I can go to, and I also have this thing, like you said, in the palm of my hand that can just handle a lot of those maybe smaller queries or even, you know, more significant things if I choose to leverage it. Especially if the focus is on Gen Zs and the new clientele that's coming to the picture, they're very impatient. That's another real important factor to be considered. A hundred percent. What about some of the biggest challenges, and you touched on a couple of these earlier, what are some of the biggest challenges your organization is facing as a business today? Digital transformation, David, is an enterprise goal. One good thing about our company is there is unity in that understanding that we are all in it together and we have to tread along together to make these big changes. So that's a very beautiful thing. Most companies battling along. So that's not a challenge for us at this point. But the biggest challenge definitely is talent. Like I said, the technology is changing so fast that by the time you hire, you decide, and everything is, again, changing. So that is definitely a universal challenge. I think it's not just our company. Everybody is facing that. Delivering through this transformation, the challenge that we have is redefining our processes, redefining our technology footprint, and that's a big task. Then transforming all people, process and technology and re-coaching people aspect. So those are some of the things that we are actively looking into at this point. But at the same time, aligning our business partners also redefine how their business practices are. When you're talking about digital transformation, you're talking about a complete new experience, a complete new customer engagement practice. And then the processes of the business, I call it business re-engineering practice. I think the way we architecture our business is not going to help with this technology transformation. I think it has to start from the business and then technology and then to the client experience. They're all kind of three important nuggets there. I love that you brought that up because it's so true. For example, 
the way that banks communicate with third parties, right? Sometimes people think of a retail bank and you have the consumer, but there's a lot of third parties that you have to deal with in lending or this or that. And when you talk to the folks at a bank that is still walking down the path of digital transformation, people are just texting on their cell phone or they're doing this and it's not really tracked anywhere. And that's just an, like a small, silly example of a process that if we're talking about enterprise digital transformation, that's an opportunity right there, likely for automation, collaboration. But I have to be able to wireframe out all those different processes. And it's a lot. I mean, it definitely is that it requires enrollment and alignment and the buy-in, which is pretty cool that, that you guys have that. I would say that's one of the, actually the most crucial parts is that the team behind someone like yourself is actually willing. If they've picked up the key of willingness, then you're already by your way, but it can be a lot. Ruta, what about maybe some of the best practices that you and your team follow? Any just that come to mind that you'd recommend to our other you know, IT and digital leaders out there? This goes back to my earlier answer, I think, where all those bad experiences and everything actually shape who you become because you learn how to be and how not to be. I have always been believed in being a leader, a team player. You're creating the culture of trust. Trust is so much more important than bringing new technology or processes or anything into your team your peers or anybody for that matter that you're working with. And I think creating that culture of trust and an open space where your ideas can flourish or anybody can bring any kind of idea, having a healthy debate. That is super important for me. And I've always led things like that. But the trust is not just downwards, always. That's what I keep telling. And then this is one thing uh, I talk to my peers. Trust is always upwards and downwards both ways. It's a simple statement, but it is very deep that uh, people have to spend time to think about it. When you have both upwards and downwards trust, believe me, no matter how complex a project is, no matter how daunting that deliverable experience, what do you have to deliver? It's a joyful experience by the time you reach the finish line. I experienced yeah. it myself. I experienced it so many times myself and I stick to that mantra all the time. It's so true. I mean, I like to think that we have that as an organization and I, I've also had the opportunity to work with organizations that are like that, that have leaders that promote that kind of culture. I've said it on the podcast before, and I'll say it again, to create a culture of innovation requires that. That's a requirement, right? Because if people are walking on eggshells and they're afraid to make a mistake and you can't innovate, it's just not conducive to that. And I love that you brought up joy too, because if I can create an atmosphere of joy in the workplace, that's tremendous, where people are generally excited to go to work, to solve a problem, to come together, because ultimately it's all about the people. Like the comment that you made about talent, right, is not unique. It's pretty much almost every podcast episode, somebody mentions talent because it's hard and it's changing and so being able to create a culture and then pass that, one of the biggest issues IT and digital leaders deal with other than recruiting new talent is keeping talent. Attrition is a huge, huge battle. But the more that you can create a culture 
like it sounds like the culture that you guys have created, the the higher likelihood people are going to want to stay because they are experiencing joy in the workplace. And there's another positive side effect to this environment that we create, that we just spoke about, is about when you create that ecosystem, David, automatically you don't have to really work hard to create that common objective, that common goal that everybody is going after. You know, your rally cry towards that one mission and one goal mm-hmm. is a side effect of this environment. So it yeah. creates by itself. That is the small nugget that everybody misses out. They think this is more about people. Yes, it is about people. But then once you conquer that feeling and establish this, then you actually get the practical benefits out of it. That is true. That makes sense. So a couple last questions for you. First would be, where do you see the financial services, banking industry going in the future with an understanding that you don't have a crystal ball and or what do you think will be the some of the biggest changes as time passes? Well, I'm sure you've heard this thousand times so far. But I think we are in the midst of an AI revolution for sure. AI, it's disrupting not just financial services, it's disrupting healthcare, it's disrupting every other industry. I mean, every industry segment that we can talk about. If you think about, look into just within the last couple months, if I have to lean towards the industry and see kind of new products, AI enhanced products that are being created and services that are being created, which are Purely simplifying our experiences. But from the financial services side aspect of it, I think I look at fintech actively, you know, how it's already disrupting. It's dominating the world of banking for sure. And then the changes that have happened at least in the last three, four years, it started early on, but I think the prominent changes have been only in the last three, four years when we are seeing those changes. It's just uprooting the industry from the core, how we conduct our business. It's a reality. It's not a hype that we are experiencing. So whether embedded finance, you talk about open banking, you talk about blockchain. These are very sophisticated changes that are happening, but they are also promising. So these are some of the things I'm closely watching out of personal interest and curiosity for sure. But these will change banking, financial services from the call. There's no doubt. Powerful. This is great stuff. The last question that I would have for you is just if you could go back five or 10 years in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Surround yourself with positive people. It's so much more important to surround with uh, positive people, both professionally and personally. If this was a newbie, somebody entering their career, their really right phase in their life, it is going to change who you pick down both ways. So my advice if I have to go back then, I would definitely see some eliminations I should have and some additions I should have in terms of people and friendships and uh, mentors as well. That would be my five to 10 years back if I have to get on a time machine. Love that. Bruna, it was an absolute pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you very much, David. It was a pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We will catch you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. 
Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net.